Amen. Well, guys, would you grab hold of a Bible and make your way this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning as we begin a new Sunday morning series. Now, again, if you have a Bible, great. If you need one that's around you, you have a page number on the screen. If you want to come to it electronically, opening it up there, one way or another, we're inviting you to be in a space where you both see uh, the, the things that God has for you, but you would hear them. You guys who are in the overflow and joining us online, hey, we're inviting you to the same. Have a Bible so that this morning it would be the Word of God that would speak into each one of our lives, that God would draw us to what He has for us. Well, as you're making your way there and you're opening up to Ephesians 6, again, I already kind of just referenced, this is a new Sunday morning series. We finished up Daniel last week, and so kind of moving into this, we're going to spend just a, a, a number of weeks, probably five, six weeks in Ephesians 6, kind of talking about spiritual warfare and the things that are there. And I thought I would just take a quick moment to kind of ask, answer the question or at least put it before you. Why are we here? I mean, why, why be here this morning? Why be in Ephesians chapter 6? Why study these things? Now, we've actually done that before. If you've been with us as a church, you're like, I think I remember doing this. Well, if you remember, that was 17 years ago. So it was a long time ago. So he's like, man, it didn't seem that way, but it was. But, you know, again, it's one of those places that we were coming back to it for, for a sense that just maybe in the most simple sense, it's really where I feel like God has us. You know, as I was really asking where he'd want us to be next, I really felt very led to this. Uh, it's also a sense of just recognizing that as we are going to talk about spiritual warfare and difficult days, I just want to tell you we live in such days and maybe heading more into such days to have just that reality made clear to us becomes altogether helpful. But if I can give you the main thing, I mean the, the main thing that has drawn me to this section in this space and time is the longing for God's people to have hope. Because I want to tell you there's hope found in these verses. There's a, there's a hope that you could look on this not in some kind of, you know, desperate, you know, like, you know, giving up your, your, your just all hopes lost kind of thing, but a place that you'd look at it and find power and strength. And I know that that's really what God has led for that in this. And if we get what God has out of this series that we're going to be in, this kind of summer series, then I'm just longing that you would hear strength and hope. So let's take a moment and let's ask him for that. We, we do this each time as we approach the word of God. I'm going to lead in prayer, but I'm hoping you would do so as well. That you just pray, just ask God to speak to you. Just you. Whatever he has for you to hear this morning from him, I'm asking that you would ask him that he would speak to you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's good. Thank you that all of it is needed in our lives and everything that we need you've provided through your word. God, as we begin a new series here on Sunday morning, I, I'm thankful for even this section, believing you've led us here as a church in this moment. And God, I'm longing for whatever that would be in our lives. But believing that part of it is just a sense of hope, a sense of strength that's available to us and that that would permeate our thoughts in these, these areas. Lord, that you would even speak that to us today and if that's what you have for us in the coming weeks, by all your just might and power, would you make that just at work in us? God, I recognize in the midst of that, though, you are doing something that's personal. So here this morning, I'm asking that you would take your word and you'd help each one of us to hear it. And it would be a sense of understanding what's in front of us, but it would be more than that. It would be a sense that you yourself have showed us something this morning. That is so individual around this room and those joining online. By your grace, would you make that effective? 
Would you cause us to hear what you have for us today? Would you give us ears to hear what your Spirit is speaking? We ask for that now for each one of us here, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, we find ourselves in this section that speaks of strength, that speaks of hope, of a longing that you would recognize what's available in that. And so with that, let's just notice the beginning section that we're going to cover this morning. If you got your Bibles there, get it there in Ephesians chapter 6. Join me in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. To stand, to find God's strength, it's definitely what we're longing for, and Paul begins this here with just an admonition. He's ending up the book of Ephesians, it's kind of the last subject matter, so he kind of says it there in verse 10, just finally, and he just speaks to God's people, my brethren, and there's a sense of of tenderness to this, there's a sense of, of just speaking to God's people in the midst of it, longing to be there, and he unpacks for us a number of realities. Well, let's just begin with this. He unpacks that there is indeed a spiritual war that part of what's being unpacked for us here is that there's a war taking place all around us, and it's a spiritual war. And he tells it to us again this way. Notice what he says in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we think about this war, and one of the key things is for us to understand is that our real enemy, the the one who's really the one that we are facing in this world, is not flesh and blood. It's not people. It's it's not whatever that would be. I don't know where you would put that in categories, whether you would look at it as nations and you think, well, no, our real problem is this nation, or you'd look at it in some kind of political realm, and it's like, well, it's it's the Democrats, or it's the Republicans, or it's whatever that would be, or or whether it be, you know, in just our, our, our kind of cultural kind of war in the midst of that, sometimes we have a propensity to look at people in sources of power in other places, and we find ourselves thinking, hey, that's the problem with our world. What's wrong with our world right now is the media or Hollywood or politics or, or, or rich or whatever that would be, and Paul says that's not the battle. The battle is not against flesh and blood. That's not really that that's coming against us. Corrie Tim Boom said it well, that she said, you know, in one sense, the first step on the way to victory is to recognize the enemy. The first step of, of even being able to move towards what God has for us to, is to realize where that battle really is, to realize that it's not a, a physical battle, it's not a flesh and blood battle, that the real battle that you and I are engaged in is one of just seeing what's in the midst of this. It is the spiritual war that's taking place around us. Now, this war again, is against the devil, and it's against his host. You notice how it gives it to us there, and we've read it already, but see it again. tells us at the end of verse 11 that we could stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, 
against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Paul gives us a glimpse into this battle, and he gives us this place where we recognize that it's against Satan and against his forces, demonic forces. And there's a lot of insight given in these verses, but it's enough to let us know that we know it's there, but not enough to give us all the information we want. Sometimes we look at this and we'd want to think, well, how does that actually work? I mean, so it seems to be that there's a kind of a satanic hierarchy, that there's an organization of kind of this demonic forces where there's principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness and a lot of kind of questions that that raises that, well, so how does that exactly work and how does that all play? Well, it never gives us that much of an answer in Scripture. It's just enough for us to know that it's there that there's a sense that we recognize behind the scenes, behind everything that's taking place, there's a very real spiritual battle. Now, for you guys who've been with us in Daniel, that might just kind of remind you, we did talk about that. We were working through the book of Daniel, and back in chapter 10 of Daniel, Daniel gets this message from an angel that comes to him, and this angel says to him, you know, do not fear Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. It's this amazing place. Daniel's praying for his nation, and this angel shows up and says, you were heard, and I have come. I've come because of your words, but here's part of the problem. It's been three weeks. It's been three weeks since Daniel started praying. It's been three weeks in the midst of it, and so the angel just explains to him, it says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is a rec- reference to a demonic force, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, who's one of the archangels, uh, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, again, we talked about this in Daniel. We're not teaching that section right now, but it's just an amazing thing that Daniel is looking at, praying for what's happening in his world. And behind the scenes, the This angel lets Daniel know, hey, behind the political influences, behind the changes in in, in world powers, there's a demonic battle. There's a battle between angels and demons, so much so that it has actually even delayed this angel's, you know, kind of coming to give Daniel a message. And it's just one of these, like, wild, you know, like, really? I mean, like, wow. I mean, so we're looking at what's happening in the world, and the angel says, hey, there's, there's more that you don't see. Behind all of these things, behind all this, there's a spiritual battle that's really the one that's kind of bringing all this to pass. Maybe we could say it more simply. In 1 John, he gives it to us this way, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know this, if you're a child of God, we're his, but we live in a world that Satan is massively worth, the whole world. The whole world lies under his influence, under the things that are taking place in the midst of that. And so there is a scene uh, of recognizing that that's real, that there's a very real spiritual war, that there's a a war that is taking place right now, and that that's determining things, that it really is just behind the scenes working this. And so the key for us is to recognize this is actually a really very real war. So I just pause right now and not asking for an out loud response, but I'm just curious how much you really understand that. I mean, how much you really understand, you know, it's really not about the nations. They're kind of pawns sometimes in the realm of everything that's taking place. Behind everything that's happening in our world, there's a spiritual reality that is more determinative, more powerful, and it's a very present 
real world. A very present real war in our world, excuse me. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. He says, there's two places that you could be on the wrong side of this. Two places that if you think about demons and devils, you could be just wrong. One of them is to not believe it's true. One of them is to disbelieve their existence, to find yourself thinking, I don't know if I really believe all that, not really sure that's something that I understand. The other, C.S. Lewis says, is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them, to give them more credence, to to give them more kind of focus than you ought to be. C.S. Lewis says it well, where he simply said, they themselves are equally pleased by both errors, and hail the materialist or the magician with the same delight. I mean, they would be fine if you're messed up on either side of this, where you would take it on either way, and there's a sense where we're being invited to not be there, to be in this place where we would recognize both where they are, but their limits, and recognize the reality that's behind it. So again, I'm just kind of wondering, wondering where you land in this. It's an interesting thing. Different surveys have found it to kind of work out different ways, but according to a kind of one Gallup survey, about 85% of Americans say that they believe that there is a God, uh, perfect, holy, created the world. Now, whether they believe that's a spiritual force or a, or, or, or a power, whatever it is, that can be different, but they recognize, hey, you know, there's probably a God. About 85% of Americans, some surveys said about 79%, so give or take about, you know, 7%, but most Americans would say probably is a God, probably is a God who is that way. In the same survey, though, only 35% believe that there's a devil. Only 35% think that that's really, you know, something that's legitimate or a part of our world. In fact, 60% say that it's really just a symbol for evil, that when we talk about the devil or demons, we're not actually talking about something that's actual. It's just kind of, you know, allegorizing, kind of just giving, you know, kind of a picture to evil that's in our world. But I'm telling you right now, that's not where this is, that what this passage is letting us know, what God is letting us know, is that's real. There's an invisible war that is the real issue in our world. It's an invisible war that is affecting our world and our lives in ways that we probably can't fully comprehend. But you're you're just invited to see it. I find myself trying to think about how to communicate that better and how to just tell you, and it's, it's just a hard thing because it is invisible. I find myself thinking about it this way. If you could go back and say to the Civil War, in the Civil War, about 600, over 600,000 Americans died. Massive, I mean, massive casualties. Those who look at the Civil War let us know that about two-thirds of those casualties in the Civil War died from bacteria and disease and germs. And, and some of that was just the nature of war in those days, but some of it was ignorance because they really just didn't understand at that point in time, just bacteria and, and its kind of just place and, and the way that germs kind of work, it wasn't fully understood. So imagine it with me for a moment. If you could go back to the Civil War and you kind of hopped into this, you know, kind of army hospital where soldiers are being treated and you have a surgeon who's, you know, stitching up people and, and sewing up wounds and, you know, kind of taking out a bullet or whatever it would work in there and you'd watch him and he'd be sewing it up and there's, there's no gloves, didn't really have those in that kind of space no washing his hands. He does that, and he finishes working on this guy and just immediately goes and starts working on somebody else. He's not washing his hands. He's not kind of, and then he kind of keeps working, and if you could look now, you would be like, 
No, don't do that. I mean, like, don't you understand surgery? That requires like a sterile environment. I mean, if you've been through surgery in our world, you know you get into an operating room and boy, everything's, you know, just pristine clear. They're, they're just very careful, just dealing with, you know, wounds that are there, doing everything they can not to pass on that infection. But if you could see that in the Civil War, you would recognize that though they didn't intend to, much of what was intended to do good actually kind of carried those, that bacteria and those germs into others, and people died by the tens, by the hundreds of thousands. And if you could speak to them, I wonder if you would be just like, you know, don't do that, like wash your hands, like, like don't kind of transfer those germs. I mean, do you understand there's, a, there's something you can't yet see? There's microscopic bacteria that you're not aware of at this moment, but it is killing people around you. I wonder if you would do everything you could to say, kind of wake them up. Well, if that makes any sense, I want to tell you, that's kind of what I want to say to you right now. See, some of you are living your life, and you just don't get it. You don't really believe it. You don't really believe that there's a spiritual war that you cannot see, that in this room, angels, demons, battles that take place, that affect things, that affect lives, that affect our world, things that are happening around the world, and you could live just in some senses because you can't see it you might not really recognize how influential it is, not really recognizing that 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 is an absolutely huge deal. But that's what he's telling us here. He's letting us know, hey, where our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. It's against these spiritual hosts of wickedness who rule in the darkness of this age. And there's a sense where you and I are invited and compelled to recognize, hey, this is real. There's a very real spiritual battle, but let's press it a little bit more. It's not just real. It's not just a real spiritual battle. It's a personal war. It's a personal spiritual battle. Think about it this way. One of my favorite realities about what it is to be a Christian is that God seeks to draw us to Him personally, that to really be a follower of Jesus is to have a personal relationship with God. I love that. I love that it's so. I love that God wants that, that that's what it is to really be a follower of Jesus, is it's not just that we're numbers, it's not just that we're a group, but He wants to know you, He wants to have that relationship with you personally. That's wonderful. But Christian, if you really are a follower of Jesus, you have a personal relationship with God, but you also have a personal relationship with the devil. Yeah, See, spiritual warfare isn't just some big, you know, kind of out there happening in the heavenlies. It affects our lives. Notice what he says there in verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Pause and just think it about for a moment. So he's giving us a picture of the battle. And when he does so, he uses a terminology that lets us know that this is a one-on-one combat. This is a wrestling. Now, I just want you to kind of think about that for a moment. I mean, wrestling it's not really a team sport. Oh, don't get me wrong. There are wrestling teams. Somebody's going to be like, Jim, there are wrestling teams. But yet when they wrestle, it's one-on-one. A real wrestler is, is one guy with one guy, and they're wrestling. It's, it's hand-to-hand. It's personal. It's real. And so Paul uses this term to let us know that when we think about spiritual warfare, we're not just talking about something that is in just you know, kind of affecting the world at large. It's not just something that's, you know, it's really out there for, you know, the church is large or really about pastors or missionaries. 
He's telling us that this is something that we, each one of us, are, are involved in. In fact, there's a, it seems to be a definite description. He doesn't say, we might be wrestling. He doesn't say, well, it could be that you are wrestling against spiritual forces and, and the darkness in those places. He says, we are. We are. And I just want you to understand something. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're involved in this battle. You're involved in this battle whether you recognize it or not. Whether you see it or not, there's a very genuine battle, and it's about you personally in the midst of this. Warren Wiersbe said it this way. He said, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is not a battleground, is, I mean, is a battleground, not a playground, and that he faces an enemy who is much stronger than he is apart from the Lord. I love that. I love that description. And yet, I just want to just say that's exactly what's needed somewhere. It needs to happen. That in the Christian life, that people recognize, you know, this, to, to become a follower of Jesus, it brings us into a very real spiritual war. That isn't just true for some. It is true for all. So that Satan has kind of tactics that would be at work against you and in your life. Now, maybe, maybe his tactic is to kind of make sure you're unaware of spiritual things. Some have said, you know, that Satan is never too busy, that he doesn't take time to, to you know, rock the cradle of a sleeping saint. That maybe his tactic in your life is to make you unaware of those realities, but it's a tactic. In fact, catch the next word. He says there in verse 12, not only are we wrestling, but Satan has wiles against you. Just reading it again in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. He says that's what we're wrestling with. That's the way this works. And I'm sorry, back in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles. That's one of those fun words. I mean, just one of those things that you probably recognize what it is, you know, wily, coyote, I don't know. I don't know where you go with wiles. I don't know what you think of when you, when you think about wiles, but it literally has the idea of schemes. It literally has one who looks at you and plans. In other words, what I'm needing you to understand is Paul is letting us know this isn't some kind of just blanket darkness that's in our world. This isn't something that is just generic. It's personal. And he studies you. I mean, he studies you in a sense. He can't read your mind. He's not God or any of those things. But, but he has a tactic in your life that would be your undoing. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if that is something you clearly understood. Sometimes people will say it this way, that the Christian life really is one that's fought on three battlefronts. I mean, and it's somewhat true. We have three battlefronts that we fight. We have the flesh, the world, and the devil. We have our flesh, our own sinful nature that we deal with. We have the world that is set against God, and we have the devil. And I like that, you know, kind of like this neat little package is like we face three battles, and that's true. But can I just tell you, Satan's actually involved in all of them? I mean, he's actually involved in all of them? I mean, you still have choices, and, and your sinful nature is, is a choice you make, but he is the tempter. He's the one that would tempt you in your life. You deal with the world, but he's the one that's behind the world. He's the one who is working, as it told us in John a moment ago, that the whole world is under his sway. And he has a very direct tactic. So what I need you to understand is how big this is. What I need you to understand is that this is something that's just there. 
It's a part of our lives, and yet Satan does so in ways that comes and goes in the midst of battle. See, I think about it, what he says there in verse 13. Notice it with me. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, and here's what I want you to catch those words, in the evil die. So, there are spaces, there are places that Satan works that you would look and say, hey, much like any kind of battle or, or war, there are, you know, kind of a general kind of always at war, but then there are moments that he's like, hey, this is a really specifically evil day that Satan is doing everything he can to bring about harm in our lives. So our lives are marked by those. Our lives are marked by those. Or we think about even Jesus as he faced Satan's temptation. It talks about how he, he, you know, Jesus defeats him, which we'll talk about later in our series more. Um, but it says he leaves him for an opportune time. He leaves him waiting for another space that he could seek to bring about harm. So Satan's always looking for that. And I, I just want you to think about that. But in one sense, I'm just bringing this before you because I have a sense that we live in those days. We live in evil days. We live in evil days that may even be heading towards more darkness and more difficulty. Again, I'm not a prophet. I can't tell you like for certain it's that way, but I'm just telling you it's real. And it's, it's a part for you to understand. It's a part for you to think through, hey, this is real in our world, but it's not just out there. It's not just, again, missionaries or pastors. It's you. So one more time. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that there's demonic forces that, that, you know, are at work in our world and they have strategies to, to kind of mar your life, to hinder you from being everything that God wants for you. If you're a Christian, I don't believe he could steal your soul, but I do believe he can do everything he can to, to kind of make your life ineffective, to make you not glorify Jesus. I mean, do you believe that there really is that paddle? I mean, that you would recognize, like, that is something I need to deal with even on a daily basis, just a place where we would say, okay, I get it, I see that, the way where I would see that that's what it is. I mean, Jesus teaches us that when he taught us to pray. There in the Lord's Prayer, the final kind of prayer, deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from him, <laughs> rescue us from him. Now, I think about all of that, and as I tell you that, I want to come back to kind of our main thing that we're recognizing that this is a, a very real battle, it's a spiritual war that's impacting and changing and affecting our world. But what I want you to hear is hope. What I want you to hear is that this war is a winnable war. See, if I do this wrongly, and if I kind of share this information with you in a, a way that isn't the way the Bible's communicating it to you, it's almost going to sound overwhelming it's almost going to sound pointless. It's almost going to feel like, well, I'm done. I mean, I don't know if you ever feel that way. I mean, sometimes when people talk about spiritual warfare, it's almost like, oh, spiritual warfare. That, you know, I just, I am in so much trouble. I mean, I have this like silly picture on my head because I have these goofy kind of cartoon pictures that run around in my head. Um, but since I almost imagine it in my own imagining that, you know, Satan's forces are kind of being arrayed and they're like, so which demon are we going to assign to, you know, you know, mess up Jim today? And like the, the lowest, weakest demon's like, I can handle it. And, you know, kind of come and tweak, you know, and, ah, you know, fall over kind of deal. And, you know, sometimes it can feel that way. It's like, man, what am I against this? I mean, how do I, I mean, if Satan is that real, if these forces are that wicked, and they have a target on me, it could almost feel helpless. It could almost make us feel that there's nothing there for us, but that's exactly what is being addressed here. In fact, he says it over and over. 
So go back with me and notice with me again as he tells us in verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Yeah, he says, hey, you can put this on and you're going to be able to stand. And then he says it again. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. He says, if you take this on, you're going to be able to stand against these things. And then he'll just say it again. And he says, and having done all to stand. Now, if God said it once, it would be enough. If he said it once in this section, it would be hopeful enough. But if he goes out of his way to say it three times, you can stand. You can stand. This is real, but it doesn't have to defeat you. This is a very real, very present thing, but there's, there's, there's hope in this. It isn't something that should make you, you know, you know, cringe in terror or fear that you're like, okay, I'll never be able to withstand, you know, evil forces. I mean, that's not possible for me. He says it three times, I mean, he's going to say it throughout the thing, and the whole thing is that. And if there's nothing else you gain from this morning, maybe nothing else you gain from this whole series that we do in Ephesians 6, I think this is a part of what I'm trying to communicate. There's help, and there's hope. You can stand. We all need that. We all need to hear that. But again, I, I think I'm speaking specifically to some who have maybe recognized that there's evil in the world and kind of get a sense that Satan is real, but so much so that you kind of have become a spiritual defeatist where you kind of recognize it, but you're like, I, you know, it's just pointless. I mean, I just lose all the time. I mean, we just lose all the time. I mean, there's just, there's just no hope for us. There's no help for us. There's no strength for us. No, there is a sense where we need to understand that this is available for us. Now, the key throughout the whole thing is that it would be God's strength. That's what we've titled our series. Uh, we, we didn't title it Spiritual Warfare, though that's partly what we're talking about. We didn't talk about it as just the armor of God, though that's going to be pieces of it. Now, we've called our series out of that very first verse, verse 10, where he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that what we have is him, that him, he, his strength is that which can enable us to withstand anything and everything that Satan would send our way. John MacArthur said it well. He said the Apostle Paul was not suggesting that we view the conflict with the powers of darkness as a battle whose outcome still hangs in the balance, as if like we have no idea how this could work out. I mean, there's a power, there's a war, but boy, we don't even know where this is going. He's saying, you know, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We are to fight from a position of victory, not out of fear that Satan might make us toast. I just like this. Sometimes he feels like, man, I just feel like I'm a loser. Like I'm, like I'm toast. Like he's going to win. He says, it's not how you're supposed to hear it. There's power. It is, it is, a, and it is victorious power. That it's not going to be a question of maybe you can stand. Oh, you can stand. You can stand. You can stand against everything that's there. I think about it this way. A.W. Tozer, speaking about it, said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil can handle me. He's got judo I've never heard of. He says, if it was just me against the devil, I'm done. 
If, if that's what we're talking about and he's, that's where we're going to be, that's it. But he goes on to say, but he can't handle the one to whom I'm joined. He can't handle the one to whom I'm united. He can't handle the one whose nature dwells in my nature. And that's incredibly true, that it's not us, it's God. It's not us, it's, it's God's strength. It's not us that, that we're going to look for strength from. It's God's strength, but I do need to make sure I say this. It's a strength you need to receive. So it uses this phrase in verse 10 where it says, be strong in the Lord. And it speaks about an offer from God. It's not a sense that you are. We might say, hey, be strengthened. You need God's strength. You need God's strength. And so he's going to give us this picture where he already mentions it a couple times in our text where he says, what you need is the armor of God. Now, what is that? Well, we'll talk about that over the next several weeks. But if I can give it to you in the most simple way, He's going to give us a picture of what God would give us to stand against Satan, and he's going to use this picture of, of armor, kind of almost recognizing maybe a, a Roman soldier or something and sea armor, but it's not magic, and it's not like the, the, the using that metaphor is the power of it. No, it's the realities that are ours in Christ. It's the realities of the strength that's available in God. It's not that we need, you know, to kind of go through some kind of spiritual mumbo-jumbo to make, you know, what we need is him. And what we need is everything that he's going to provide. But maybe one of the keys that we need to talk about is we need all of it. Because he's going to tell us, even as he said so, you might just notice the way he puts it. He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. He'll say it again in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. We need everything that God's providing. It could be said this way, that in one sense, uh, you know, the weakest link in our spiritual standing is often where Satan would target. And, and so as we're going to talk about what these things are over the next number of weeks, we're going to recognize that we need all that God is offering us. And, and if we avail ourselves of all that that is, then we can stand. And I'm holding that out to you in, in a sense of just telling you that it, it's possible We'll talk about specifics over the coming weeks, but if you can hear one thing, it's what God would give you. It's not your strength, it's His strength. He's not offering you your power. He's not asking you to flex your muscles. He says you need God's power. You need His strength. And if you avail yourself of His strength, then this very real wickedness in our world you can stand. You can stand. You can, you can withstand anything and everything that would come because greater is He who's within us than He who's in the world, and there is just hope that would drive us to Him. There should be a hope that should say, then I want that. See, one more time, I, I think this is helpful for all of us, but I, I know I'm speaking to somebody who you've almost began to become that spiritual defeatist, that you've recognized, the, the, again, the darkness of the world, and you just kind of give up, even before the battle starts. You kind of like, well, it's just not, I mean, I just, you know, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back, because it's just broken. It's the whole world just done. Instead of saying, you know what? It is dark. It is hard, but he's, I need him. I need to run to his strength. I need that to be the power of my life, because that's what he's offering to us here. That's what he's telling us is available for us. So let's kind of process that through and begin to kind of head towards a close this morning. Where are you in this? 
Where are you in the midst? Do you, do, you, do you recognize this? Do you recognize that this is there? Again, I know I'm speaking to probably three different categories of people. Some of you, you're, you're Christians and you believe this. Maybe you need the reminder. I know I do. But you, okay, you, you, you believe that there's a war. You believe that God's enough. And, and that God would speak to you both with hope and help that would just increase that in your life. And I long that you would hear that. But I'm also speaking to some that maybe you're believers, and this is one of those categories that still you are kind of a skeptic. I mean, you're like, ah, I mean, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that there are, you know, devils and demons, I mean, that seem to be behind the scenes, and, and, and you have a hard time grasping some of those realities, but I'm telling you what God is inviting you to see is how real it is, that it's bigger than anything else that's happening in our world bigger than politics, bigger than nations, bigger than, than anything else that's happening in the midst of it, that he's inviting you to see it, but in a way that you would see it that would drive you to God's strength. Because to the extent that you don't see the wickedness of the world, you're not looking for God's strength. And so I'm seeking to bring you to rescue even this morning and coming weeks. But the last category of someone I'm speaking to is maybe you're on the wrong side of this altogether. That you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus but you're actually still involved in this war. Jesus would say it this way. He said, you know, he who's not with me is against me. Like if you're not with Jesus, you're actually on the other side. Now, we don't often recognize that. I mean, if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're like, well, nobody calls my shots. Nobody tells me what to do. There's no, you know, devil running my life, but he is. Think about it. I would say it earlier in Ephesians where he'd say, and you, speaking to Christians, he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. It says if you're, if you're not someone that knows Jesus, then you're walking in this world according to the course of this world that is actually being dictated by Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air who's working in the world, even though so many people don't recognize it. And if that's you, that's the realm that you're found in right now. He says, this is where you are, where among all those who once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, the fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. That's the reality of where all those are if you're outside of Jesus. But I love what God tells us, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He says, here's the deal. I mean, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's where you are. You're in the world, and you are by nature a child of wrath. But God, but God sent his son so that we could be rescued out of that, so that we could join and, and become alive together in Christ. And that would move you to the other side of the battle. But that's the side that's going to win. If I can say it in a simple childlike way, there's no doubt of the outcome of this war. Jesus wins. The devil loses. We, we know where this is going, and if you're on the devil's side right now, you're on the side that loses. But the reason we still are here is because God is still rescuing, and he's still drawing people. And so we just want to tell you, if that's you, then it's a good day to kind of see that and, and find it drawing you to Jesus. And it's an interesting thing. Sometimes that's exactly how it works. Sometimes people come to Jesus because they recognize there is something demonic in this world. There is something real, and there is, but God is bigger. 
God is stronger. And we just invite you to that strength. So I'll tell you what, let's take that before God together in prayer. You can close your Bibles and notebooks, whatever you have open. And again, I don't know where you are in those three categories, whether this is just an encouragement to something you already believe in or something you need to believe in and you struggle with it as a skeptic right now, or you're on the wrong side of this battle altogether. Wherever that's found you, I just want to invite you to talk to God about it. We're going to close with just a a moment. We're going to give you a moment to pray. It's going to be a quiet moment. It's going to be a moment for you to talk to God. We definitely want to give you that before we leave here in this space where you could just, wherever he's been showing you, whatever he's been speaking into this space, you would be able to just respond to that. So quietly, would you do that? Again, it might be surrendering to Jesus, might be asking for his power and strength today. It might just be receiving that hope. Would you take a moment, pray to him? I'll do the same, and we'll come back together and close in worship in just a moment. Jesus, to think about it in the words that you taught us to pray. Would you rescue us? Would you deliver us from the evil one? Got to think about words that we've tried to talk about this morning, realities that are there, that there is an evil one. There is a devil. There are demons. They are real, and they are actively involved in seeking to hinder our lives in a very real and very personal way. And God, I ask that we would know that, that it would not be something we're ignorant of, uh, that we would not be ignorant, as Paul would say in other places, of, the, of Satan's devices. We'd recognize who and what he is. But God, as we know that, would you remind us of the incredible hope that's found in you, that you are greater, that you are stronger, that you can deliver us. God, how much we need your strength. I pray that even now you would draw us to that, a people that would recognize the very real battle and we would run to you and we would ask for everything you are offering and all the strength that you're giving that would establish us, that would cause us to stand, that would cause us to withstand. God, would you make that so? Would you work it in us that we would be a people that are standing in dark and evil days? that we're not being knocked down, that we are standing by your strength? Would you establish that? Would you work that in us, Lord, right now? I ask for that, and in the midst of that, just crying out, Lord, any that are on the wrong side of this, who are right now under Satan's just dominion, just being the prince of the power of the air, the one who's working in the midst of the sons of disobedience, rescue them. Rescue them and draw them to you today. 
Help them to see just the, the need they have of Jesus. We pray for that and ask for your help and strength. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. May he strengthen you, give you hope and help. We long that you hear that today.